Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and welcome to my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore the LDS scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. I'm a longtime gospel doctrine teacher, sometime institute and seminary teacher, and a current theology student. My friends and I are often discussing history, context, and theology, and thought that you might appreciate it too. I think of it as a bridge between academic and inspiration. However, these opinions are my own and not an official representation of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks again for listening, and I hope this will be a blessing to you on the road to discipleship. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Lori, and we are still in the book of Revelation, and today I think we're hitting my very favorite two chapters. So with no further ado, let's jump into Revelation 4 and 5, The Throne Room. So again, if you haven't had a chance, go back and and, uh, listen to the other three episodes, which we kind of give the uh, tone and history and all the other information going into this and a little bit on the uh, seven churches coming in. And really remember, this is going to be a vision that John is going to have, meaning an unveiling, a peek into the other side, you know, the heavenly world and, and see what's going on. And I want us to, as we look at this, Look at big picture. I want to see if I can point out some things of why this is just my favorite. There are probably two favorite chapters in Scripture uh, in the New Testament, and chapter 4 is one of my favorites, and chapter 5 is the other. And so they're just awesome, amazing. So, so if you haven't had a chance, go stop what you're doing. Go read it. We're going to do some of it together, but go read it right now and, and say, why is this so poignant? Why is this so awesome? And then let's just jump in together. Here's what I want you to think about. This is where we're going to say, here's kind of the point. It's kind of the point of the book of Revelation is here in these two chapters. And they're the most overwhelming vision of, of the role of Christ in our lives and, and what this revelation is all about. So yeah, we go, oh, crazy beast and monsters and things with horns and whatever. And that's great. But they're telling this story. This is the story they're, I think they're trying to tell. And it's so easy to get caught up in something else. And this is so beautiful. So let's jump in together. Revelation 4, 1 through 6. And I'm just going to read this uh, simple translation. After this, I looked and there was a door in heaven standing open. The voice like a trumpet, which I had heard speaking with me at the beginning, spoke again. Come up here, it said, and I will show you what must take place after these things. At once I was in the spirit. There in heaven stood a throne and someone sitting on it. The seated figure had the appearance of a jasper stone or a carnelian, and there was a rainbow around the throne looking like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and sitting on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white robes and with golden crowns on their heads. Flashings of lightnings, rumblings, and thunderclaps were coming from the throne, and in front of the throne seven lampstands, which are the seven spirits of God, with, were burning with fire. In front of the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal." This is it. This is what we've been waiting for, is this vision. Um, the first, the very short opening tells just a, a, so much information. John has been taken up in the spirit, and he's saying he sees a little door. Uh, for years, when I thought this, I always thought like a little door, like way up in heaven, and you kind of opened it like like a distant little light. 
and uh, and and now I think of it very differently. I think we look at it and we think heaven. Remember, heaven and earth. The sphere is just right here, close to us, and it's just intersecting. It's very involved in His creation, and so it's not far away, but it's like a door opening right here in our, the room you're sitting in, in your on your f- street, you know, in this field across the way. It's just right here, and it's leading to this different world. And the invitation is to come up and just see what's going on, and and so. I think it's like a, like so many other prophets, you're peeking into God's throne room. You're being invited into the divine council. So in Isaiah, he sees that. In Ezekiel 1, he sees that. In Revelation, um, here we are. We see it in uh, Lehi's dream. You see it in Lehi's vision in, in Nephi 1. You see it in section 76. Uh, we see it in section 135, right? It's here the someone is invited in to see that reality that's so close to us. So you just open the door and you get to see behind the scenes and of what's going to take place and how it all fits together and how all this makes sense. And these two chapters don't stand alone, right? They're, they introduce a whole sequence of prophecies. They're going to take us through the rest of the book. And at another level, they're going to introduce us to the first sequences, the sequences, the seven seals. So we're going to break them open. The scroll of God's purposes is what it's called in 5.1. So this, God's purpose is going to be unrolled. So it, it might help us to kind of keep our balance as we jump in to understand all the imagery if we kind of see the structures around the structure. And it's structured around sevens. So we have seen first the seven letters to the churches right? So we saw that chunk of chapters. And then we're going to be introduced to the seven seals. And those are the like the waxy seals that go on the outside of a letter. And there's seven of them. And they're going to be opened in chapters six through eight, uh, the beginning of eight anyway. And then the seventh introduces a further sequence. When they open the seventh seal, you get to the next chunk. And that's the seven trumpets. And the seven trumpets are going to be one by one blown from chapters 8, in the middle of 8, through about the middle of 11. Then at the very center of this book, we're going to find these visions which unveil the ultimate source of evil and the evil's kind of chief um, the number ones, right? They're the chief agents of this evil. So that's the dragon and the two beasts, the beast from the sea and the beast from the land. And then we're going to see a vision of how those somehow those monsters are going to be defeated. And that's chapters 12 and 11, 15. And then we lead to the final sequence of seven, the seven bowls of God's wrath, the final plagues, which kind of remind us of the plagues of Egypt, right? Which will be judging the great and tyrannical power and rescuing God's people from the claws of that power. And these bowls are poured out in 16 and their effect is kind of seen in 17 and 18. And then we see the celebration of victory in chapter 19, which just leaves us to that old dragon right? That those beasts are done, then it's just the dragon. And we see a fate, which is so fascinating, uh, in 20. And 20 is kind of the end. And we finally get the unveiling, this final, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, the final unveiling of God's plan, which is that new Jerusalem, heaven and earth, are finally joined forever and ever. So what we're witnessing right now, the section that we're looking at in four and five, is not the final stage. It isn't this, this isn't God's final purpose. It's not a vision of the ultimate heaven um, seen like the final resting place that we're all going to end up in, but it is just 
a vision, John just gets to see a moment, just the moment right now. Like, well, what's happening right now in this present reality? And he gets to see what uh, multiple visions of what's going to take place, uh, additional things. It's not the end of the world so much, but those terrible happenings that might be, that they're going to be warned about. So John's summoned to this throne room because like these other prophets, right, they get to, they're privileged to be invited into the council. Um, there was another one that I didn't, rec- uh, I just thought of as First Kings 22. You see Micaiah, um, he sees God sitting on his throne and they're, they get to listen to the plans, right? So anyway, I love Ezekiel 1. It's the, the throne chariot that comes wheeling in um, and the, the rainbow is there. And then anyway, they're just these stories over and over where you get to see, you're like, hey, God is meeting in his council. He's involved and you just get to, you're invited in. It's like being invited into the uh, executive meeting or the stake high council. Hey, you're, hey, why don't you come to the high council meeting? We'll talk about what's going on. And that's what John is being invited to. So the first thing he sees, God's council, this 24 elders, and they're sitting on separate thrones, and they um, represent, for sure, you know, like the 12 tribes, right? 12 apostles, 12 tribes, the 12 disciples, and they are there, uh, and they are this perfect embodiment of the people of God, right? And now they're sharing uh, over the rule of God's world. They are involved in its salvation and its final um, victory. And the white robes, you see they're wearing robes, right? Uh, purity, uh, victory, crowns, right? They're the representatives of the royal priesthood. Uh, and it's, but it's not, it's not this timid scene, right? There's lightning and thunder and fire. And, and the, the, you're going to see lightning and thunder and fire and a number of times you're going to see it uh, anytime there's something significant going on. And it reminds me of section 76, right? There was light coming out of the curtain temple when the vision happened or on Mount Sinai, there were lightnings and thunderings um, or even the brother of Jared, there was a cloud and then he sees the, uh, see the Lord. So there's this lightnings and thunders. So something significant. So when God's purposes are going to be disclosed, things are shaken up, right? Things are happening. The final detail that I think is really cool about this throne room is the sea of glass. Uh, And so you see, we see a sea of glass in the temple right there's a sea a bronze bowl um, the red sea you also see some visions in daniel where the beast emerges from a sea and then in the new jerusalem at the very end of 21 there's no longer a sea right so there's some kind of representation that um something dangerous is there but there's a transition and then it's uh it's now all going to be perfected so god's purposes are going to be seen through that so We've talked, we've talked a little bit in the past about God's throne and being in heaven. It's very much Old Testament-like with the senior counselors. Um, and so there's this implication that, that the priesthood and God's work is still going on uh, today. It's just on the other side of the veil. And so there's this victory. Okay, so there's this unveiling, and we get to see that. Oh, so cool. Um, so take a minute, stop, contemplate. What can we see about our reality that we can see? We're going to peek into this victory that's going to happen. Um, God's going to win, and we get to see what the plans are. Okay, keep going. In the middle of the throne and all around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, and the second was like an ox, and the third had a human face, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. And each of the four creatures had six wings, and they were full of eyes all around, inside and out. And day and night, they take no rest, and they say, 
Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. When the creatures give glory and honor and thanksgiving to the one who is sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down in front of the one who is sitting on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. And they throw down their crowns in front of the throne saying, O Lord, our God, you deserve to receive glory and honor and power because you created all things because of your will. They existed and were created. So we see this worshiping. Um, there are these uh, cherubim uh, or seraphim sometimes called. Uh, you see in other visions, whether it's Ezekiel or whether it is uh, almost all of them actually have some vision of these ideas. And remember the veil of the temple had seraphim on it. And remember the cherubim with the flaming sword when we leave God's presence. So they tend to be some kind of the animals or the creation of something worshiping. Lots of thoughts on the different animals themselves. I'm not going to jump in there because I think there's more to be said. But I do love that the elders, the 24 elders are praising. And I love it. They throw down their thrones and they say, we, we praise you because we, you deserve to receive honor because you created all things. Um, one of our natural states, I think, is worship. And sometimes uh, we get caught up in something else, right, about the Lord. Uh, but I love that they, he is praiseworthy and they say, because we, we praise you because. So kind of cool. Keep going, though, because there's some, God, there's so much to talk about. Okay, uh, I'm just looking at my notes here. Let's keep going to section, oh, the best part, five. Okay, buckle up. We're at chapter five. And I saw there was a scroll in the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. The scroll was written on the inside and the outside, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel announcing in a loud voice, does anyone deserve to open the scroll to undo its seals? And nobody in heaven or on the earth or under the earth could open the scroll or look at it. I burst into tears because it seemed that there was no one who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside it. One of the elders, however, spoke to me, don't cry, he said. Look, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has won the victory. He can open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders, a lamb. It was standing there as though it had been slaughtered and it had seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And the lamb came up and took the scroll from the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. Okay, this is interesting, right? John's sitting there, he sees God on his throne, and it says that, uh, that God had this scroll and it had these seven seals. And you've probably seen this. Uh, I'll, if I'm in class with you, I'll show you what these probably look like, but... It's a rolled up scroll and then on the edge to seal it, they use wax, right? And they imprint like your signet ring or a seal it was called and would have a design and then you press it in there. And so they have seven of those. And so you crack those seals, you break the wax and it opens up. And so he sees that, that there's a scroll written inside and, and I love the strong voice, the strong angel, I mean, with a loud voice. Does anyone deserve to open the scroll and undo the seals? And he, and he looks around and he's like, there's, no, there's, there's nobody. 
right? There's nobody there. There's work to be done, right? There's, there's God's plan. He, he's got it right in his hand. And, and who can, who can, um, right? We were praising him. There's work to be done. And what's God's work? What, what is this scroll? I think it's God's work is to rescue creation, right? To overthrow the forces that are going to, that are risking this creation itself, uh, the fall and, and he's in sin and he's saying it's a terrible task, but I've got the solution right in my hand. And he says, who, the strong angel, who can open it? Who deserves to open it? And you can almost feel the, the tension, right? That if God has this plan, how can we, none of, who can help? And, uh, none of us can, right? We're part of the problem more than we're part of the solution. We, right? And so we kind of look around and we say, what's happening? What's happening? And you feel the tension. He looks and he says, who is worthy? So feel the tension. Feel it. Looks around. Who can do it? Who who can open it? And and I love that he he weeps. Nobody. Nobody deserves to open it. And that's that's the whole conundrum of the fall, right? There's We can't save ourselves. We have gotten, here we are, um, with death and sin, and something, someone has to be found. Someone has to open the scroll. Someone has to save us. Um, and I love that. Does anyone deserve, does anyone deserve to open the scroll? So we could, we're like John. I love that he's crying. He's flood of tears, right? Can anything be done? And then wipe away your tears. Don't cry. Look, here's the one who can do it. Here's the one. And it's the one he describes him as the root of David, right? The one who's the true Israelite. He's the savior, the Messiah, the, the chosen one. And you say, uh, he, first he describes as the lion. So he, he says, I, it's going to be the lion. So think, I'm going to, he's weeping. The elder, don't cry. The lion of the tribe of Judah is, can do it. So you expect, you turn, and what are you going to expect? What are you going to expect? Think about it for a second. What would you expect? A lion. You expect a lion or something victorious or awesome or big or big and mighty. And what does he see? A lamb. A little lamb. Not even a sheep. A little lamb. And this lamb is is not just uh, something radically different about the lamb. The lamb is also ready for sacrifice. So the thing that's going to, is worthy, the thing that's going to be victorious, the lion is actually something weak and something that's sacrificial. So the victory is won by the lamb, is the lion victory, right? It's the faithful Israelite, the true human, is finally the one that lays down his life. So uh, he's going to say the lamb is the way that the victory is going to be won. So we could stop right there. I mean, that could be, there you go. There is the revelation, right? That the, the revelation is that the victory of God, who can open the, the God's plan, who can save us, isn't something mighty that you would think at first blush. It's the sacrifice. It is the meekness. Now this lamb has seven horns and seven eyes, and don't be thrown off by that. Horns are a lot of times different symbols for that, but power. So it's got seven perfect power and an authority and eyes, vision and understanding. And so this is this lamb is Christ who under has all the authority of God and all the power of God and all the understanding 
and uh, the atonement, right? He's going to understand us and our suffering and all of that. It ends with, when he took the scroll, he's talking about the lamb, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down in front of the lamb and they each had a harp and they each had golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's holy people. And they sing a new song, which goes like this. You are worthy to take the scroll. You are worthy to open its seals. For you were slaughtered, and with your own blood you purchased a people for God from every tribe and tongue, from every people and nation, and made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. As I watched, I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and living creatures and the elders, and their number was 10,000 times 10,000, thousands upon thousands, and they were saying in a full voice, the slaughtered lamb has now deserved to take the riches and the power, to take the wisdom, strength, and honor, to take the glory and the blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven on the earth, under the earth, and in the sea, and everything that is in them saying, to the one on the throne and the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen, cried the four living creatures. As for the elders, they fell down and worship. Uh, amazing scene. It feels like it's almost a theater scene, right? The, the, the music starts to build and the, it's building and then there's a song and the first part of the song is just the elders or the, is it the beasts? You tell me. Uh, the four living creatures and the, the, and the 24 elders, and they each have a harp, and then they have these bowls, and it says that those are the prayers. So our prayers are actually on the other side. They are the incense that, that's there in the bowls, and it's kind of like the songs we're singing are these harps, and this is what we are praising the Lord. Then it, the music kind of builds, right? And then there's another song, and now it's, it says not on not just the creatures and the elders, but then there were angels, thousands and thousands and thousands of them, and then they sing, and then they are singing about the richness and the glory and the honor, and then I love the third part, the big crescendo, every creature, heaven and earth, us too, right? Everything, alive and dead and living and animals, everything, to the one on the throne and the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory forever and ever. So be it, amen, cried the living creatures and the and the uh, elders. Uh, the Savior is worthy. And so first the, those in the throne room worship him, then all the angels worship him, and then everything else. And I love the hymn that they sing, that they tell us that the redemptive purpose is a kingdom of priests, right? that they will have achieved, and he has achieved salvation and glory for all of us. And the Lamb shares the praise that we give to God the Father. It's the plan of our Father and the Savior to save all of us and bringing and rescuing all of us in the world. That is the point of the book of Revelation. Chapter 4 and 5, you've now done it. Amazing. Thanks for joining me as we continue on in the book of Revelation. I have loved these two chapters. I hope you love them as much as I do. Go back and read those hymns over and over. They are powerful. This is great stuff. Thanks for joining me. Till next time, keep reading.